This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big changes are coming to the longtime staple of television programming, also known as the late-night TV talk show, as the genre struggles to make the leap to the streaming world. Trevor Noah is leaving The Daily Show next year. James Corden, the host of CBS's The Late Late Show, will depart his show then as well. TBS cancelled Full Frontal with Samantha Bee this year. And at NBC, executives are mulling giving up the 10 p.m. hour to local stations. If they make the move, The Tonight Show, for the first time in its seven-decade run, could begin as early as 10.30 p.m. All of this has unleashed a big question inside the television industry. What is the future of the late-night talk show? Joining me now is Rick Forchuk, movie blogger at Rick's Picks and regular columnist for TV Week magazine. Rick, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jazz. Always glad to talk with you. Well, this is a fascinating topic. Uh, You know, uh, a lot of us uh, at a younger age grew up with a guy like uh, Johnny Carson, and we've had so many different uh, talk show hosts now. What do you make of the genre uh, as Trevor Noah says that uh, he is moving on and, and uh, the, the television industry continues to go through these uh, incredibly disruptive times? Yeah, well, yeah, Trevor Noah is moving on, and James Corden is going to be leaving his late-night post, and uh, several late-night shows uh, have been canceled of late, including that of Samantha Bee. Uh, Conan O'Brien no longer is doing late-night, So the handwriting is on the wall, and if you want to see what the handwriting actually says on that wall, we look at the numbers, and the numbers show that quarter after quarter after quarter, revenue from late-night talk show programming is dropping, and that's the bellwether. When that starts happening, that gets everybody's attention at the network level because they're all in this to make a living, all in this to make money, and the days when... um, an appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, whom you mentioned, Jazz, mm-hmm. uh, could make or break a career are long gone. You know, such people as uh, Jay Leno uh, owe his career to Johnny Carson because uh, any stand-up comic who showed up on The Carson Show and then was asked to come over and sit on the dais with Johnny uh, had it made in the shade. Joan Rivers was another one of those. Um, Stephen Wright was another Many, many, many people had their careers made because of the tremendous influence by, of Carson. And even though he was on late at night, uh, he still commanded 25 to 35 percent of the audience. Today, a talk show host late night is lucky if they get 2 percent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just not enough to make a living, Jazz. Yeah, I was looking at the numbers. I guess the four late night shows on network television uh, took in about uh, $300 million in advertising for the first six months of 2021. And for the first six months of this year, uh, they've taken in about $253 million. So a drop of about 16%. That is significant. I guess the question is, where are the are the viewers now? Are they, are they just not staying up as late? Or is it just a, a question of, uh, I'll watch it tomorrow on TikTok or YouTube? Well, that's exactly what happens. Uh, where are the viewers uh, we now have a situation where the baby boomers, who really drove much of uh, television marketing and television viewing, are now uh, heading towards retirement. And millennials are actually a larger cohort than were the baby boomers. 
And these people, millennials typically, uh, don't watch television in the same fashion. They do exactly as you suggested. Uh, if they hear that something was really worth seeing, they catch that on social media, they'll go to TikTok or they'll go to YouTube and catch the highlights. They don't need to watch the whole show. So as a result, uh, the, um, the television network doesn't get the kind of audience that it used to. Now, also, the bigger issue, I think, is streaming. Streaming is just taking off so many people in a different direction. It has not been successful by anyone to have a streaming talk show. And largely, I think that's because topicality is the key. Uh, the talk show hosts are uh, in today's news. They're in today's political world. And uh, when you do streaming, it doesn't hold up very well that way. So we have um, the two things that we talked about, uh, and that is a younger audience that watches television differently or doesn't watch television, but rather catches things on their phone or on their computer. We also have a situation, Jazz, uh, where the audience is so fragmented because there are so many of these shows. You know, if we go back a, a few decades, uh, there was Late Night with David Letterman. And there was The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and there really wasn't a lot else late night. Uh, the networks then began stacking shows on top of them. We got later and later and later programming. And um, when you do that, it tends to water things down because people can only watch so much. And as viewing habits change, coupled with um, fragmentation of the audience, more places to go, and not enough time to go to those places, you get declining numbers, and that's what we're seeing now. And I think, I'm anticipating one of your questions, I think this is a death knell for late night talk television as we know it. It doesn't mean there won't be anything in those talk show slots, but it does mean it's going to take on a very different form as we move forward, Jazz. Well, I find it interesting. Uh, I was reading that the NBC is actually looking at, at uh, apparently uh, just handing the 10 p.m. hour back to the local affiliates which would mean, you know, usually local affiliates uh, get the news or get uh, or given time at 11 o'clock for the late local news or after uh, the Tonight Show. I mean, uh, what it looks like now is they basically hand over uh, the programming at 10 p.m. They would never have done that. That was considered prime time. Exactly. That was prime time, and that was unthinkable. Um, but this is part of the new reality. And the other thing, for example, uh, and it exists mostly here uh, in our part of Canada, but uh, you or I or anybody else can watch whatever's on at 11.30 on a late-night talk show. We can watch it at 8.30 here because we get the package from our cable or satellite company that allows us to get the time shift from the eastern time zones. Now, that doesn't happen everywhere, but it does happen enough that um, people's habits are so different and the way of tracking what people are watching are so different that the, um, the ratings companies uh, – the Nielsen Company, which was the stalwart for many, many years, recently been sold. But uh, uh, the way of tracking who's watching what is very difficult. We don't know uh, who's watching what. For example, uh, not in Canada, but in the U.S., uh, people who watch things on their PVR, if they do so within a seven-day period, get counted in with the ratings. But if your PVR looks like mine, where a lot of shows have been stacked up week after week and even month after month before I get around to them, those things show up as never having been watched, even though they are. Uh, same is true when people stream different things, and the same is also true when people watch things on their computer. So we don't really know what's going on, other than the fact that uh, the stats that you cited, uh, seeing a 16% drop in revenue uh, over a six-month period, that's serious business, and that's, that's the money line 
And that's what's going to get everybody's attention at the network level, Jazz. Rick, if, if these talk shows slowly go away, in some cases, you know, a lot of their content is seen the next morning on YouTube or on TikTok, and I guess there's some revenue that can come from that. But could we eventually maybe see some of these talk shows just being made available just on YouTube and produced just for YouTube for streaming rather than doing what they're doing presently is every night uh, spending a lot of money to produce a, produce a show. Well, I think that could happen, uh, but it wouldn't be with any involvement by networks. It would be uh, individual entrepreneurs coming up with new ways of presenting what they have to present uh, in order for people to watch it. Uh, but the challenge, again, uh, is that um, we lose the common experience. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the parallel you and I have talked about before, the difference between watching something streaming on Netflix and watching that same thing in a movie theater with a bunch of people with a common interest at a common place and time, uh, the impact in the theater with all of those people is phenomenal. Whereas the impact watching streaming on your own is just another few hours spent watching TV. Well, the same is true with talk shows. Uh, it was for generations a situation where around the figurative water cooler, uh, if you hadn't watched Carson the night before, you just couldn't contribute to the conversation because that's what everybody was talking about. And a little bit later, same thing with Letterman. Uh, when Letterman began dropping uh, pumpkins and watermelon off of high buildings, <laughs> that was a topic of conversation for everybody for, for a long time. Today, that commonality is gone because of the fragmentation as to when we watch this stuff and how we watch it. So it's no longer a communal experience. And when you lose that, you also lose the associated revenue that goes with it. So uh, could there be uh, programming that's just made for streaming or just made for YouTube? I think that is possible. Uh, How it makes money will be the acid test. And if it doesn't make money, it'll go away quickly, Jazz. Yeah, I mean, I I see some of it with comedians having their own podcast and then re-editing it for or filming it at the same time. Um, and, and then putting that up on YouTube. So you see some of them do that, and they'll pull in half a million streams over the course of four or five days, and perhaps that may be the model. But your your core argument, uh, core comment in regards to that commonality, um, what taps into the cultural zeitgeist now? How do we do that if we are losing that core experience of a Johnny Carson or a David Letterman, um, or if we're losing that, co- that common experience of the day the show Friends went off the air, or MASH from 30 or 40 years ago. If we lose that commonality, I mean, how do you define a cultural zeitgeist? How do you define even community when it comes to having a common experience? Well, that's a very good question, Jazz, and uh, I think it falls on the shoulders of social media uh, because we have a, a group of people, I won't say a generation because it's probably more than a generation of people who actually believe that they have a 1,000 friends or 2,000 friends or this great, huge social circle. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's made up of people they've never seen before, they've never talked with, they've never experienced. In fact, with some people that aren't even real. So we have Twitter, uh, we have uh, TikTok, we have other social media, some of which is legitimate and some of which is just made up. And we have a lot of people who feel that that is their collective family, that's their collective experience. Uh, but it, too, is very fragmented. And as long as you can make money with it uh, at the Elon Musk level, uh, should he go ahead with his purchase of uh, Twitter, for example, as long as it remains a moneymaker, there'll be ways to do this. But it's just not the same. And just like it's not the same uh, to be living in in an agrarian society, you know, uh, four or five generations ago, half of all of the people in Canada lived on farms. Today, it's just a fraction of that. So things change. 
the people that were in the buggy whip business a uh, hundred years ago aren't in that business anymore. They've had to either uh, shuffle off or they've had to find another way to make a living, and so it shall be with the talk show format, Jess. Yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, this entire disruptive period and what it does to an old television format like that. Rick, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Always a pleasure, sir.